You're listening to the ConsumerFi Podcast, powered by Norridge, loan software that accelerates change. Everybody, welcome to the ConsumerFi Podcast. Uh, I'm thrilled to be um, joined by the folks from Ideology. We have Tom Algie, who's the National Sales Manager for the Consumer Finance Market. And we have Heidi Hunter, who's the VP of Product Innovation. Welcome to the pod, Tom and Heidi. Hey, Joel. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Joel. Nice to be here. Ideology is a fraud company. Maybe we start off by establishing what y'all do and and the value that that you create for the people that use your service. Yeah, absolutely. Tom, you want me to take that one? Sure, absolutely. All right. So Ideology is an industry-leading provider of identity verification solutions, right? And the type of services that we can offer, they branch across a lot of different markets. We're a very great fit in fintech, financial services, lending. We do a lot in commerce and payments, P2P payments, and work a lot in Silicon Valley. But the platform itself, uh, beyond providing the different KYC and anti-money laundering compliance that's needed to participate in these different markets. We're also a leading edge provider of fraud prevention solutions. And a lot of the solutions that are considered to be kind of top of the line or what you need to be competitive in this market, we were one of the leading providers that actually innovated and created a lot of them. So we're very excited to be with you today and talk about some of the expertise and things that we've learned over the course of our history with the company. And, and Heidi, both you and Tom have been with Ideology for a little while, right? I'm in uh, for four years. I know Heidi's longer. <laughs> I'm going to hit my 10 year anniversary in October. So Tom, I'm expecting gifts. You know what yeah, I like to right. Drink, so. right, right, right. Chocolate covered strawberries, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a whiskey girl. Tom knows. Oh, okay. So you like the, the scotch. You like, like the good yep. stuff. I like the good stuff. I started drinking the Kentucky bourbon last year. And, uh, I haven't had any of that yet. Oh man, it's good straight, but um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I don't do it anymore. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the history of fraud. So Tom, you know, quite aptly, I met you at Lended a couple of years ago when we were trying to spin up some of the Fraud Friday curriculum for the National Automotive Finance Association. Right. And right. Um, we we have an itch here that we're, we're looking to scratch and we want to make sure that we get the ideology voice heard, but you guys have been at it for a while, right? Take us down a little bit of some of the memory lane of like, you know, how fraud started and maybe how, where, where ideology kind of came into the mix, right? Like at that point in time, what are we talking about? I mean, how old is ideology as a company? Well, ideology was started in 2003 by uh, our, our previous CEO, John Dantzu and some of his business partners headquartered here in Atlanta. The company really grew organically off of a couple of core markets, lending being one of those core markets and small dollar lending, non-bank lending to, to boot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then since that time, we've, we've expanded to over 4,500 clients here with enterprises on, on Ideologies install. As Heidi mentioned, we serve probably at least a dozen markets that I could rattle off here. Sure. Uh, in 2018, we were acquired by GB Group, which is a publicly traded company on the London Exchange. So we're now much, you know, we're, we're part of a much larger family of companies. Okay. Um, but all that time, right, we, we've been working on, on uh, fraud as it shifts. And so when, when, when ideologies first started attacking fraud, what types of fraud were you attacking and what were the solutions? 
Yeah. So yeah, Heidi, definitely take that. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, I got my start in ideology. I was boots on the ground. I was in the client success department. And at the time, believe it or not, we used to analyze customer statistics to look to improve pass rates, right? That was the focus. Yeah, right. KYC, get as many bodies through the door as we can. That's still a big thing. That's still a big thing in non-prime. Although I think the tides, we were discussing this earlier. I think the tides are changing a little bit where folks are saying, you know, I'm taking a little bit more of a conservative point of view. Correct. And I think the way that the, the way the mind shift has changed, right, is it's not so much we still want to approve and drive business. But what we want to do now is find the right customers, right? Find the real customer, right? We're looking for value and we're looking for people that really want to participate with you as opposed to trying to just drive that business line as high as you can. But in that time frame, we began through the uh, client participation, these different quarterly business reviews that we do. Again, we began to see really concerning trends in the data where we were seeing crossover was how it began, right? So we noticed an identity used to, it used to travel. It would begin with one specific type of business line, right? Maybe they'd open a bank account to begin. They'd go to apply for some type of loan. And then we'd see that money get moved through something like P2P, right? P2P transfer mm-hmm. into a something maybe that's a little bit more movable, like uh, some type of money account or a prepaid card. And then that funding would be gone. And once we would go back and and talk to the clients, we would understand that they had seen this happen and it was a repetitive type of activity. So it began on, for us, we always had tools to spot repetitive activity, right? We had our our velocity tools and other things that we utilized to look for this type of behavior. But we really, at that point, once we saw these types of things happening, right? And that was identity theft in its true core. Mm -hmm. Really started to narrow in on it and start to focus on how to find that in the data. Once we found it in the data, the next question is, okay, from a product standpoint, what do we build to find it on the spot? And this is where our evolution really began. So in those early days, when you say identity theft, am I talking about um, getting a hold of another person's PII and then, you know, opening accounts on, you know, under that alias? That's exactly right. This is, you know, the the selling of data on the dark web through data breaches. It's, you know, stealing people's information with phishing attempts, right? It's it was that in its true form was one of the first forms that we really focused in on. But obviously these these fraudsters are very intelligent. This information really evolves. And so now, you know, we're now honed in on, you know, I think we had talked earlier, there's 10 or 15 different types that you have to really be thinking about and trying to focus on, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, for folks that were at the National Automotive Finance Association Conference, Tom, I know you were one of them. We had uh, a really compelling talk with Brett Johnson. The anglerfish uh, came and spoke to us and shared a multitude of state IDs and uh, gave us some some kind of guidance on how to protect ourselves. And I'm going to leave that as a teaser. I don't know if you remember, Tom, do you remember the three things he said everybody should be doing to protect themselves? You know, I I, I... I think I do. So should, will that be a quiz at the end? It's going to be a quiz at the end. Let's not right. forget it. I think I, I remember that we'll, we'll cobble it together, but I want people to listen to the, the, the entire thing. So, so we're talking about identity theft in the early or, you know, identity um, people using identities, aliases to, to get and establish credit. And this is back when we're still trying to kind of, we want to fund every loan. We just, you know, we don't want to turn them down. So then yeah, you start building these defenses and you talked about creating these velocity measures and, and other things, Heidi. So then how did it come together? Like how did the, these things come together in terms of a solution? So from a platform standpoint, it's it's honestly it was pulling threads, right? You find a trend, you know it's fraudulent data, you start evaluating what tools are in your where in your in your toolbox that are gonna address that, right? So 
we know so much about an identity based on the data points that we have around it. You can't just focus on the core attributes that you would for, you know, things like pulling credit or doing identity verification, because in the case of a lot of these fraud patterns or a lot of these different types of frauds that we're, we're talking about now, it's not sufficient. You got to go deeper. So by, yeah, by doing additional analytics on other pieces of information that, that we're able to find through all these different sources that we have, we were able to build out statistics to address these different cases, right? And then we expanded that usage to go acquire more sources that give even more insights, right? And through that, we built the platform to have multiple products, vetting data, many different ways But where I think it really gets interesting, uh, Joel, is where you start pulling all that back together and painting a really clear picture, right? And that gets us to where we are today, where we're now, now the focus is not so much, it is partly finding the fraud and getting it out, but it's also approving the good customers. Because what you don't want to do is just drop a ton of friction on somebody who's who really just wants to get that loan, right? And, and go ahead and get their, their automobile or whatever else it is that they're after. Yeah, I, I'd like to throw something in. I agree, Heidi. It's, it's really about, it's, it's not just continuing to collect information, it's getting answers along the way, right? That, and, and that's what helps keep friction down while still getting you to your end, end objective. Exactly, because if you can look at it from a positive standpoint, if you can verify against a solution like ours, 15 or 20 different comfort factors and everything looks good, that's a solid customer. Yeah, That's someone that's going to be really good for your business and somebody that you want. Tom, you mentioned that one of the, the early industries that uh, I'm going to assume, you tell me if I'm right, one of the early industries that ideology had some really good traction in is the non-depository lending or, or you know, um, consumer online or branch-based lending. Now, those those uh, companies are, are well-known in my mind for embracing alternate bureau data very early on and using it as a mechanism to create a way for these individuals that would otherwise, for whatever reason or another, maybe they wouldn't be approved by a conventional lender. They can go this way because we've pulled in this additional information. Is that alternate bureau or, or, or whatever the term is, is that information integral to your solution? And I mean, was that an important factor in terms of building up your fraud models, I guess I'd say? That's a great question. Yeah, I, I, I mentioned that because I, I'm, I'm a little unique. I'm, I was a former customer of ideology. So uh, I came from the online lending really at its, its earliest. You're absolutely correct. The, the alternative data was embraced uh, by that that business model uh, very, very early on because of the reasons you cited. With ideology, uh, certainly we're taking in thousands and thousands of different data sources. Uh, some of those might be considered alternative, but we're not a credit bureau. So right. uh, really, we're not looking at trade lines or, or potentially you know, utility payments or, or what now is, has come into the, the vogue of, of non-standard trade lines that, that right. a lot of the lenders are leaning into. Uh, but w- when we say data diversity, we, we truly mean it is, is thousands and thousands of different uh, data sources that we can call from our system in real time to take the attributes that we've been given and, and then come up with, with the right, the, the answers, right? Not just more information, but answers. The alternate bureaus are not so alternate anymore. I think right. all, all the majors are now owned by major bureaus. Right. And we're just going to see that convergence, you know, just continue as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, we saw it yesterday. Uh, Newstar was acquired by TransUnion. So you have a very, very large data warehouse there in, in Newstar being acquired by the, one of the big three. Oh, that's cool. Does Newstar have a particular footprint or, or slice of, of industries that is 
a value there? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with Newstar. So so I believe, in, and Tom, keep me honest, they didn't portion, I think they partitioned the company into pieces because mm-hmm. Newstar does everything from providing uh, technical services for web-based applications all the way into data services. Okay. So parts of it were pulled apart, right? So they have a, a wide footprint everywhere. You're going to be hard-pressed to find many technology companies that are not operating with them in some capacity, but specifically the data side of it. Yeah. It's a smart acquisition for TU because- they're going to get some really good data through that acquisition that they can bring into their platform. Plus they've got a pretty good foothold. They're working with a lot of folks on that data side of the house. You have a lot of talented people working in, in both credit and fraud. And I think a lot of the techniques and the methods are, have some similarities, right? You're dealing with statistics, right? So, you know, a lot of times we want to look for a black and white answer and it's, it's, well, Heidi gave in this information and this is her address and this is all the other stuff. It looks good, but I can't really say it's exactly her, right? You never really can say with a hundred percent certainty, right? So you need, you need people that, that deal in the world of, of methods and modeling and statistics and knowing how to kind of translate that to the business person who's using it. Correct. That's really important too. And that's, that's something, Tom, that I got to give you kudos, you know, Anytime I talk to you about anything, even, even we even started talking about blockchain and, and everything out of your mouth was totally understandable. You weren't trying to bash me over the head with all this knowledge that you have that I don't possess. You know, <laughs> it's nice. We talked about the history of fraud. We talked about how you all have established some of these defenses. Can we inform people a little bit about the other big areas of, of fraud, Heidi? You know, we obviously talked about using somebody else's uh, identity, which is identity theft. What are the other ones that kind of grew up or, or the ones that are really big today that we need to concern ourselves with? Yeah. And it really, you know, you're going to, you're going to see different types depending on what, on, on what part of your business you're talking about, right? When we're talking about things like account origination, the beginning of applying for a loan, that's generally going to be your, either your stolen identities or this new, this new crop of, of fraud that most people, it's very buzzy right now, which is the synthetic identity. That's a very long play from a fraud perspective. You've got to be invested but it's got a really high return if you're willing to hang in there. We actually had our current CEO create herself a synthetic identity. She was able to accomplish it in a few months, which was kind of alarming. So what you, what you will, what these, what these fraudsters will do is they'll take valid data attributes, a genuine address, um, a genuine name. They'll get a hold of a social security number could be from a child, someone who's elderly. But what they'll do is they'll start applying for things using that information uh, concatenated together, right? Kind of built. And then eventually it'll get itself a footprint. And then where this gets even nastier, to be perfectly honest, is then they'll go apply for something like utilities or um, a very small credit card. They'll actually make the payments. Like they will use yes. this service and they will they will make yeah. good on it so that it builds a credit profile. And then okay. that's when it's solid. At that point, they'll use, and we've even seen where they're selling these off. There's mules now that just sit around and create these, make sure the payments get made, and then they'll go boister them on the internet. Synthetic, here's the score, here's what you can do with it. But they'll take that synthetic identity, which looks to be genuine, and they'll start attempting to to transact in the market with it, and they will be successful. Right. We hear about credit washing, right, which is is, is really the the, the process that Heidi just described. And then, of course, the end end goal is the breakout. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, no, I, I read a statistic that, that freaked me out a little bit. This is something that everyone should be mindful of is the amount of data out there on people 
is just ridiculous. The stat I saw, I think it was from De Deloitte or somewhere, it's like 5,200 gigabytes of data for every person on earth, mm -hmm. right? And, then, and they're continuing to add daily as we all continue to interact and do things online. So there's so much data out there on individuals now that, that it's really almost synthetic identity is just a condition that we're going to have to live with. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's, it's not a hard problem to solve because right. you've yeah. got data points that live and have been created at a government level or at a personal level yeah. that are never going to be tied to a bureau record it, it, right. uh, from a standpoint of legitimacy, right? Yeah. You've got to find it in another way. Yeah. yeah. The bureaus can't be deterministic and, and just start purging records <laughs> because they think, think that's the case and, and their hands right. are tied. That's not a, that's not a sling at the bureaus. It's just, yeah. that's a, that's it's, it's the facts, right? That's, that's a, reality. That's a concept for a lot of lay people that they don't understand. I'll, I'll pull my bureau. I'll look at it and I'll say, there's all these addresses. I, I never lived there. I never applied for credit using this address. I, I don't want it on my bureau anymore. Right. And I want to do it from a protective standpoint that I don't want somebody who's, who's using it to create a synthetic or whatever. It's using one of my variables. I I'm not directly in the, in the path of liability, but, you know, I don't want to perpetuate more criminal activity, obviously. So, you know, I, I had to, my wife had something like that where there was an additional line on there and she was, she's been, it's been a decade, really. She's just been fretting over it. And I said, Karen, we, we all have these additional addresses on there. Somebody fat fingered something or somebody applied and your information got commingled with somebody else's or something, right? Like there are, there are honest mistakes, I think, that happen along the way. So you just don't know, was somebody really screwing with you or not? I'm one of those that thinks for the most part, I think most of the U S consumers, their information has been compromised at least once. Absolutely. I mean, I think I was part of one of the big bureau breaches, my university that I went to was part of a big breach. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, my I, problem is, is if you create these breaches, so you got this Experian or Equifax, I forget what the breach was. Apologies if I called your name wrong, but it was one of the big bureaus had a big breach. So there's, there's certain information there, a lot of good information. Then you get my university information in there too. Oh my God, that's really unique data set, mm -hmm. right? So that's the thing that concerns me is I don't want all these disparate data sets being, being compromised. If you just have my bureau, that's one thing. But once you start layering this stuff in, now these guys are modeling out how to beat you and everyone else, right? With their data mm -hmm. and, um, it, you know, we want to have a fair fight <laughs> at some point, we want to have a fair fight. It probably never will be, Joel, but that's why, you know, as, as you think about, you know, what's important to your business, whether it's partnering with a third party or developing solutions internally, they've got to be flexible. You have to constantly be reassessing the goalpost and moving it as needed because it's, it's a shifting problem. It'll never be resolved. And yeah. the moment that you find something that's very solid within 24 hours, these guys have adjusted yeah. and they've moved to another place. So you just have to be super agile, but I'll tell you, I have the benefit of working with customers on the customer side. There's nothing more satisfying than when they'll make those alterations and, and it moves away. It's, it's yeah. a great feeling to see that at least what they're doing is, is functioning and working. So there's this silver linings to everything. I try to stay positive about it, but yeah, it's a shifting yeah. target. It'll never be resolved, but it is fightable as long as you're agile and you try to stay on the front end of it. Yeah. You know, Joel, another thought that, that we, we see coming, right? And it's here, it's not coming, 
is this concept of self-sovereign identity and, and, and control mm-hmm. and, and businesses handling the PII, which you mentioned in terms of breaches and compromised data sets. We, we know this is coming. We've seen some of the states start to push like California with the Consumer Protection right. uh, mm-hmm. Act there. People want control back. So you mentioned, you know, oh my gosh, they've got my college data. They've got my bureau, you know, record or my trade line and bureau. What we're going to start to do is we're going to have to start doing a business where the consumer has some control back. Joel won't have to provide an entire payload of data. Perhaps he'll have to provide only a few attributes. And then it's up to the business and their their tools, their, their sources to make sense of that and, and to make that process click and, and work. Otherwise, uh, we've just got a, an impasse. So mm-hmm. I think that's coming. The states are giving yeah. consumers back some control. We, I know Heidi would agree, mm-hmm. we see that coming and, and it'll probably be federal law at some mm-hmm. point uh, where the consumers have have more sovereignty over their data. The second thing is, is as Heidi mentioned, flexibility. If you're dealing uh, with the same problem, which is how do I know that this is Heidi and I can, I can verify that her, that, that her information is accurate so that we can do business together, but she hasn't given me a full payload of data or the data that I'm used to getting now. How do I continue to do my job a, a, as a fraud prevention or, or a verification company? Yeah. It's, it's something that everyone is going to have to deal with, not just, you know, one or two, two providers, but everyone. That's one of the dreams that I have for the application of blockchain. So exactly. the thesis that I hang my hat on is, I can own all my PII. That's my information. That is not anybody else. That's mine to own. And I will release you only what you need, but that's all in my blockchain locker. Yeah. You say, if you give me one or two more pieces of information, then I can get you approved. Then I have a decision to make. Do I want to share and expose that information with you? I have a big problem with how these social security numbers are just thrown around. And I, I'm sure it has to do with AML or some other stuff. And I'd like to restrict that, right? I'd like to share less of that and more of what I want to share in order to get through these toll gates. Um, but we're not there, right? We're obviously not there. And this information, all of our PII is is like, we don't own it. We ultimately don't own this information. I think when we get to that level, like a, a digital personal identification type thing. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it can reside on the phone. These things are are with us all the time. There's gobs of information that people are getting off of you, yeah. off your phone, with you just shopping, just yeah. going to a store, driving here, driving. I remember when my phone used to say, when I used to commute to work, it would it would give me a little notice. It would say, "You're driving to the same place you drive every day. It's going to take you 15 minutes. Traffic looks pretty good." And I thought wow, this is a little obtrusive. Like I didn't ask for this, right? So you start shutting stuff down on the phone. I mean. Mine even had my coffee shop location as a, as a pit stop, Joel. That was that was pretty alarming. It was like, hey, it's five minutes to that and then 45 to work after. Yeah, so, um, know, they know your routine, right? And that's yeah. one of the things that we use on the lender side is knowing that people are creatures of habit. So Tom, if you go to the you go to the same gym every Tuesday and Thursday. You probably park in the same parking space. You probably use roughly the same locker, as long as there's not a bunch of naked old dudes standing next to that, that one that you normally use. Yikes. If you go to the other side, right? I'm going to hey. wipe that visual out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's the reality, right? You, it you, is. 
it is. So, but yeah, but you're a creature of habit. So, you know, I can, I can start kind of like estimating your, your whereabouts and your behaviors and yeah. obviously market to you. But then also on the flip side, if I need to repossess your car and I have a little bit of that information, that's pretty valuable for me to have, to know that you're going to be in a certain place in a certain time. I know Heidi's got some good stuff here on the behavioral and the biometric stuff. That's, but that's what I was going to say, but this is what I love about the concept of that. If it could be secured because anything that's not, and I think this is really good. You brought this up, Joel, anything that's not normal or doesn't have history would indicate there's a problem. So wouldn't it be great if in a sense, your digital identity could be leveraged that way, right? Yeah as your patterns, as that, it's safely kept inside of the phone. But if there was a way to say, you need to trust this, this is a real person who's been doing this for six years with no changes, they do the same things. That's what I, when I think about the future of blockchain and digital identity, it's securing your authenticity through that activity, but keeping it as a firewall safely on the device, right? But that the information is there. That's what I'll be curious to see evolve, right? Yeah. And then from a government regulatory standpoint, I think there's a knee jerk reaction that people who are consider themselves to be heavy on the consumer advocacy side would say, we need to, we need to protect these individuals. So we need to put all these barriers into place and all these government structures to protect this person at the end of the line. Right. And I say, don't build all these meaningless uh, walls of China. Let each person have their own data secured in their own place where they have control over it. Right. And they're the ultimate arbiter of whether they want to let be loose or they want to be tight with it, right? right? If you're in a credit deprived situation, you might have to expose more. If you're in a really good situation credit-wise, you may be able to, to run the table by saying, you can pull my credit and that's about it. That's you know, so I, I I'm a I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of putting the control, you know, at that individual standpoint. I've, I've got dreams about that, but it'll happen though. I mean, things move quickly in technology. They just do. And I think if we were to have this conversation in 10 years, it'd be a completely different discussion. But again, that's why you have to stay agile, flexible. You have to stay, you know, ahead of the curve so that you're one of the leaders of it, right. Rather than playing catch up. It's hard to play catch up. Yeah. Tom, I'm going to come back to you. All right. Now it's, it's Brett Johnson anglerfish quiz time. Yeah. There were three things. Three things that everybody should be doing to protect themselves. This was prescribed by Brett Johnson, the anglerfish. The anglerfish. <laughs> and we know, uh, we know the anglerfish pretty well at Ideology. He's collaborated with us. Great guy. Um, super Great dramatic, advice. right? Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I have to say, just if anybody, well, I, I'm guessing some of the listeners will, will have been at NAF. Uh, you could have heard a pin drop. You could have. That guy mm-hmm. was talking. And it was a full auditorium. But as I recall, uh, the, the kind of the things that I took away from Brett's talk is it's the information is out there about fraud and, and, and verification and, and some of the challenges that are that have happened in the past that are happening now and may come down the line in the future. But Brett's point, his main point was it's not the stuff that we know about. It's the stuff we don't do anything about. Right. So companies need to start doing things. And some of those things are, are, are naturally using, using good tools, finding tools and then using them, not just brushing them off as a, as a you know, that's nice to have, but I, I, I'm not going to get it. Uh, the other thing is, is they need to train their people uh, because we know that, that humans are t- typically the weakest point in the defense. And then I'm stumped. I, I can't think of the last, right. last thing. 
So I've got two of the three. I want to see, okay. and then and then Tom and Heidi, you because you guys are experts, you you may be able to to kind of throw in a even more. He said, um, everybody should put a fraud alert on all of your bureaus for yourself and your family. So I'm thinking about my kids here, right? Put a mm-hmm. fraud alert if they have a bureau entity. Get a password locker and use a password locker that mm-hmm. creates these um, complex passwords. I, I've, I've been using one since I, I actually got simjacked twice, twice. And so, and I, I do have some big, uh, cryptocurrency type like uh mm-hmm apps on there. And that's where that's what people are ultimately trying to get to. I'll, I'll get a Yahoo email saying somebody tried to change your password from the Netherlands. And then all of a sudden my phone is rendered inoperable. And then I have to call AT&T and scream at them about why they, why they didn't properly vet somebody coming in to buy a new SIM card or doing so online. Right. Correct. Yeah. But there was a third one and it's just totally escaping me. And Tom's looking very blank right now. I, I, I am. I mean, I can, I can add others. Go ahead. Come (laughs) on. I would recommend, I recommend you put a VPN on your cell phone and your home network. Mm. Yeah. uh, As a virtual proxy on there, you can have everything that's running across your wires, basically encrypted at that point. If if anybody tries to hack your home network, it's going to be really challenging for them to get in. So I recommend that we do that at home. So all of our devices, and we're just buying a, just a basic service. I don't pay more than $15 a month for it. It's beautiful. So I recommend doing a VPN on all of your devices. I also too would recommend definitely your children are a weak point. Mine have clicked on honeypot and spam sites more than I can count on. So their computer's isolated. It's controlled as best as I can, but it's got its own account. It's not tied to anything else. Like anything that you're going to let your kids be on the web with, I would not let them have mm. a computer that shares access with you because by nine, they will click and stroke on something that ends up hacking your mail. Yeah. And that yeah. it's game over. Yeah. yeah. So isolate that off for sure. Yeah. So I would definitely throw that one out there. <laughs> Those two. Absolutely. The, you know, the he, bureau he block's also, a good one. You, you mentioned the password manager. Uh, he also mentioned that, you know, you know, mix up your passwords, change your passwords regularly. I know we're required to do that, you know, as, as employees at ideology because security is so, so vital for us. Yeah. But I think that's just a good habit that, that I've tried to, you know, convey over to my friends and family. Right. Just have it home. Mix it up. Don't use the same password and, and, and for sure mix, change, change up your passwords. You know, not every month or, or, but you know, every couple months, just mm-hmm. make some, make some easy changes for yourself. That's all good stuff. You know, I, th- I think that this has relevance across the, the entire consumer lending, you know, ecosystem, putting good fraud defenses in place. Obviously each business may have a different, you know, one business may have more synthetic. Another may have more, you know, stolen identities. What's the best way for folks to, to get in touch with ideology and, and Tom, by the way, I just met Heidi and I know she's probably the same. I don't want to put words in her mouth, but Tom is, is, has been always receptive to having a conversation. So I'm not talking about selling anything. We're talking about the spirit of fraud Friday from the NAF, making sure people have resources they can tap into, you know, perhaps you, you get to a point where there's something you want to buy. That's great. But that's, that's that we just want to make sure that we get the thought leadership and the, the interactions there. So if folks want to get a hold of, of Tom or Heidi, you know, what's the best way or, or ideology, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. So uh, obviously we, we have a website and we, we would uh, provide that, that website information. Uh, it's pretty simple, www.ideology.com. 
Yeah. Uh, we have social media uh, profiles out LinkedIn. there. Uh, yeah, feel LinkedIn. free to send us LinkedIn uh, we, messages. Happy yeah. to connect and we're, love. We're posting. You're right. Um, okay. So, so follow, follow ideology on, on LinkedIn, find them. Uh, it's, yeah. it's I D O L O G Y. Mm-hmm. Right. We, we attend a lot of events. And so, as you mentioned, Joel, yeah, we're always up for a conversation and, and we have good, you know, I think that the key here is what I've learned is, is uh, even folks that we would consider competitors, everyone has something good to offer. Everyone has something good to bring to the conversation. So yeah. it's not always a, a you know, a, a champion challenge type environment. It's really collaborative. It's not the Thunderdome, right, Tom? No, it's not. <laughs> it's definitely not the Thunderdome. We, 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 um, we love to engage in, in dialogue. Uh, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and really, again, what, what we're all about is, is helping people do business with their their customers in in a safe and and, and frictionless way. Yeah, um, that that's that's I think should be everyone's goal. That yeah. that is a really good point to end on, and that's something that I have to thank you and Heidi and the entire fraud community. I, I found you all to be you work and play very well together, even across competitive lines, which is really what this is all about, right? It's the same body of. of topic as compliance, for example, like Mm -hmm. if I have a good compliance program, you know, there are things that I can share with other people. It's not competitive. It's protective. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, I don't want anybody to win in a competitive sense because, you know, one person can't handle fraud and another person can't. I don't think that's fair fight. So Mm -hmm. I think everybody should lay claim to good fraud protection. And the problem with fraud is there, there, even with synthetic, there, there are victims, you know, I, I know you don't have a person that gets stuck with it, but you know, there are these are things that hit the finance companies, it hits their bottom line, and it's not going to mean that they're going to cut prices next year if their fraud goes through the roof. So this does affect all of us. If the fraudsters use their power for good instead of evil, I think we'd live in a lot better world. Yeah. How's that going? And I, I don't see them stopping. And, and, and what's interesting <laughs> is, is, you know, we talk about machine learning and, and, and we haven't really touched on it today, but, you know, we talk about algorithms and machines and, and how things are getting so sophisticated they're, they're bringing the same they're bringing the same they're bringing the same the, ammunition that's exactly. a really good point tom yeah, yeah i hear heidi say this they're bringing the same fire to the fight they are yeah if we could build the silver bullet i'd love to have it but i don't conceive that being the world i think you just have to keep adapting and and yeah, yeah sometimes the old tools work you know sometimes a knife works just as well as a gun yes so it just depends you know it's wild well good stuff Tom Algie, Heidi Hunter of Ideology. Thank you both for, for joining us today. And it's www.ideology.com. Check them out on LinkedIn as well. Follow them and you can stay up to date on all the updates that they push out. It's a great organization, great people, as you can tell. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Joel. Thanks, Joel. The Consumer Fi Podcast has been brought to you by Nortridge, loan software that accelerates change. We'd also like to thank the National Automotive Finance Association the only trade association exclusively serving the non-prime auto financing industry.